Welcome to the Home Stretch Sports Radio 810 WHB. Sterling Holmes with you until 10 p.m. this evening. Full show will be joined by Tucker Franklin of KCSN the entire first hour. We'll be joined by Josh Briscoe, co-host of The Zone, the entire second hour from 9 until 10 p.m. But I don't want to keep the dude waiting. Tucker. Yes, sir. He's here. and I don't want mm-hmm. to keep a, uh, a man of your stature waiting. I would be remiss if I did something like that. I'm pretty short. Yeah. Yeah, it is nice. I'm not going to lie. It makes me feel pretty tall. I'm 5'10". Yeah. So it makes yeah. me... And I'm also... I'm not going to lie. I'm wearing Timberlands that make me about six foot. Right. Like, if you're a 5'10 man like myself, you'll wear cowboy boots. You'll rock some Tims because you get about a two-inch lift. And now, now I'm a six-foot man. Listen, you got to take every inch you can. <laughs> I've missed you, man. I've missed Tucker. So... Just for folks that don't know, he used to be an intern here at 810. He actually is in my phone as Tucker 810 intern. Still is. Shows how good of friends we are. Well, all my like high school friends who have gotten married, like like they're still their maiden name. Right. They're, they've not. They're not switching in my phone. Like people I've known for a long time. I don't care. You're still this. I thought my best friend. His name is Jansen. Mm-hmm. I thought he said his name was Jepson. So the first thing I thought was Carly Ray. He's in my phone to this day as Carly Ray Jansen. Now, I'm not changing that. You know what you call that? I stick to my guns, baby. Mm. I'm not swayed by the hip new thing. You're still Tucker 810 intern to me. That's true. It's got, a good thing. It's a good thing. Yeah, got to remember where I came from, you know. Stay humble. Right. Stay humble. Remember the beginnings. Kyle's back there behind the glass. Kyle, how are you? I'm good, and I can't confirm that story. I remember the first time we called Tucker for your show. Mm-hmm. You sent me the contact. It was Tucker, parentheses, 810 intern. Yep. Yeah. You it's like quite, that? A, you it's like quite that? impressive because, Sterling, we, we had a conversation today yeah. about, I was like, oh, yeah, you know what? You're like, oh, you know how to get up to the to the studio? I said, yeah, Sterling. You know, remember when we first met was actually in this studio right here? And we used to do a pretty – I think we used to do a couple hours of radio together. Yeah, we did. I actually asked you. I said, do you know where Union Broadcasting is? Yeah. As if I didn't remember because I forgot. And that's why you're still on my phone is that it's supposed to jog my memory. Right, as right, a, right, as right. a man who's getting up there in age, I sometimes forget For sure. things. I'm, I'm a – Forgetful guys sometimes. Happens to the best of us. Yeah. Which is why I'm trying to forget the game against the uh, the Packers. That was not ideal. <sighs> Sterling, that was quite possibly one of the most frustrating Chiefs games I've seen in a while in the Patrick Mahomes era, I should say. Yeah, well, well, let's say that. In the Patrick Mahomes era. There's been some pretty frustrating ones outside of Patrick Mahomes. But I think the one that kind of compares to me... To frustration level, I don't want to necessarily compare this game apples to apples to it, but frustration level was the one against the the Titans. I think they lost like twenty eight yeah. to three or something like that, twenty something to three in that the regular was, season. That was brutal. Yeah, just a just a wildly frustrating game. Uh, I think that's regarded as Patrick Mahomes' worst game that he's ever played in his career. Mm-hmm. Even though that Broncos game this year was it's up there, uh, but man, it, it's it just seems like we keep talking about the same thing. Every single week. And it's kind of frustrating to, to see it all unfold when I feel like Sterling in, in July we were having conversations about the same thing. And in April we were going into the draft having conversations about the same thing. And now it's happening. And it's and it's so frustrating to see because it doesn't feel like that there's 
any fix coming. No. Uh, Luther Burton, hopefully in a couple of years, it would be pretty nice. That would be uh, pretty solid. And his chips, which are very good. Those, uh, those They're in KC now. Yeah, the Vienna Ripplets, right? The, yeah. You know, pretty, pretty solid right there. Support Luther Burton. Well, let's go ahead and throw that out Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but you're correct. There's no no reinforcements coming outside of what's currently on this roster. You're not going to see, oh, yeah, Mike Evans, yeah, he's he's released. Go ahead, Kansas City, pick him up. Like, that's not happening. The, the Chiefs are dealing with what they got for the rest of the season. And you and I, I, I remember having this conversation with you, right, on KCSN. We talked about this. Mm-hmm. I was semi-bullish, I think, overall, because I was, I was sitting here going, all right, you know, they might not have these big-name veterans but we all expected Sky Moore to take a step forward, right? I think nope. no one expected this Sky Moore. I don't think. I, I think if you did, you're one of one of very few people who expected Sky Moore to not only not progress but have a massive regression of a season. Because even last year in the limited sample size, he looked good. We're all sitting here going, "Yeah, he's not a he's not a return man." Yeah, but he's pretty good uh, when he's actually used as a wide receiver. Yeah, and this season. Not so much. Uh, Kadarius Tony. Now, we didn't all expect him to stay healthy. I think myself included. I said, you know, if you get eight games from him, that's a good sample size of him. But he's not been really useful in the the games he has been healthy in. Um, I think the most frustrating aspect of it is they say they want to try and save him. They're trying to help him and stay healthy, yet you're going to use him as a little Debo Samuel and give him the rock out of the backfield so he can take extra unnecessary hits. Like, the... Confusion lies in part of what the Chiefs say and then the actions they do. Correct. Because that makes no sense to me. Using him as a punt returner at times before Richie James came back, but you're trying to save him, so you use him as a returner where he can take extra hits. Confusing. Uh, No one expected MVS to take a massive step back. No one expected. I mean, again, I'm not expecting MVS to be, um, you know, Keenan Allen out there, but I also wasn't expecting him to take a massive step back. Right. Uh, I don't think a lot of people expect Rasheed Rice to do what he's done, which has actually been one of the few positives. Yeah, Yeah. But uh, in general, you look around and you're sitting here going, you know what? Maybe we should have seen this coming, but also I think it's hard-pressed to say, all right, you expected all of these guys to not just have a progression of a season, but these massive regressions. Again, you can disagree with the results, right? but as far as the actual game plan, I don't have a lot of issue with. We were relying on a lot of guys. When you look at this room coming into the season to have, as you as you said, a, a, a progression to have almost close to career years, right? Like we were relying on Kadarius Tony to be able to stay healthy at a clip. Uh, that probably wasn't sustainable for him that he hasn't shown to be healthy at that amount of time. Uh, Sky Moore to take a step forward to where he hadn't been before. You're looking at MVS to have a year that maybe he hadn't. This Now, I'm talking preseason. That that's what we were looking at this Chiefs wide receiver room. We were banking on a lot of those things uh, to happen for the Chiefs room is is for, okay, this, this Chiefs receiver room can be good if all of these things happen. There was a lot of ifs in there, a lot of uh, a lot of kind of stipulations to how the Chiefs wide receiver room can grow. And I think that what this has showed me is how having a guy like Juju Smith-Schuster in the receiver room, just the consistency, just having a guy who who has a consistent, you know what you're going to get from him. And I know he missed some games later on in the season, but like you knew what you were going to get from Juju Smith-Schuster day in and day out. He, You knew where, where he was going to be on the routes. I think that really helped Travis. Because in, in some cases when, 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 when Travis Kelsey didn't have things going, Juju Smith-Schuster did. Juju Smith-Schuster sure. was able to find a space in the middle of the field, which is kind of something that they're missing outside of Travis Kelsey. They don't really have a guy that can find space in the middle of the field. Rasheed's starting to. Rasheed is starting to. Starting to. It's 
not quite there yet. But yes, <laughs> you're right. He is starting to look. I love what they've been able to do with Rasheed Rice, and I love how they've played him differently than how they played him at SMU. Like SMU, they're like, all right, we're gonna chuck the thing up to you. You're gonna go up and, and get it. They haven't really played him like that at all uh, this year with with the Chiefs, and I, I think that's a testament to kind of the Chiefs scouting department to be able to see this guy, see how he's played at SMU, and say like, hey, what if we take this guy and use him this way, the way that they're using him, like now screens, quick bubbles, get the ball in his hands, make him make guys miss. He's a dynamic athlete. He, he's really good, and it's uh, he had a toe injury at uh, SMU, and you can kind of see that in his last year, kind of played sure. through the whole thing. Tough guy, we do know, but... That's the thing, man. Is that we're we're looking at all of these uh, this wide receiver room, and and, and you mentioned like no one's going to cut Mike Evans right now. There's no there's no <laughs> no one no one's going to be able to be signed off the street sure. uh, to come in and, and and fix the team. But you're right. I, I think when you when you look at like the room as a whole, I think the biggest surprise to me. I don't know for you, but like MVS's regression is shocking to me. Like six eighty seven last year, and I think the majority of folk thought he'd be around the same six fifty to seven hundred yeah. this year. And then you see him currently at two seventy three. Um, he averaged forty yards per game last year. He's averaging twenty two per game this year. He had like thirty catches or something like that. Uh, he has seventeen. 30 targets, maybe. He has 33 targets, 17 receptions. That's not good for a guy. Buns, dude. That's horrible. For a guy guy coming in that you were expecting to be your consistent. You were expecting him to be, I think Nate Taylor called called him the control um, in terms of that receiver room. You need him to be the consistent. You need him to be the control. And to have a guy regress like that, I think, reflects on, on the wide receiver room as a whole because you've seen regression on all fronts. Yeah. And again, that's why I, I have a hard time. And again, we have different viewpoints. I think a lot of people disagree with me, but it's a, it's why yeah. I, it's, it's why I said I did not hate, and I still don't necessarily hate what Brett Veach did at wide receiver as far as in totality, because the thought process was Mahomes can make everyone better. He can make wide receivers better, but he can't make the defense better. So let's, let's spend over the past couple drafts, a first rounder on Carl Loft is a first rounder on FAU, right. a first rounder on Trent McDuffie, a whole plethora of second and third rounders on the linebacking core, as well as the secondary, right? That's where they've spent a large chunk of that. They, the free agent signings, the depth pieces, Charles Aminahu, right? Uh, Mike Edwards, right? Drew Tranquil. That's what they did offensively. What do they do? They give him help on the offensive line. Yeah. That's where two of the big contracts are at with Joe Tooney and uh, Juwan Taylor. Mm-hmm. But wide receiver, the thought process was, okay, they just won a Super Bowl with the pretty much exact same wide receiver room. Only difference is Juju's now gone. And I think part of that is, again, going to go down to his injury concerns. You see what he's doing in New England. Yeah, it's Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi, but he's not looking like a spring chicken out there, right? Right. It, the point is, they had the exact same pretty much wide receiver room. Rasheed Rice was the the addition. Juju was the was the odd man out. Mm-hmm. No one expected this, so I don't have a huge issue in the salary cap era of how they handled this. It's the results, and it's the lack of development, which almost goes back to if you want to liken it to baseball with the Royals, right? I think right. This, this is the easiest way to compare it because we were, we're so used to as Royals fans seeing this happen. The Chiefs have the same issue with. Uh, wide receivers, as the Royals do with most draft picks, which is, is it scouting? Is it development? Right. Is it they don't fit the scheme? Because you don't know. Sometimes it'll be consensus pick, like, a, like oh, wow, that's a great pick. And the guy just doesn't do much, right? Like, right. how many Royals pitchers have they have they taken? And you're like, yep, yeah, that was the right pick, guys. And then the guy's done? Asa Lacey. I, but, 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 but again, I mean, that's a good point. That's a great one. Uh, you know, with some of the, the Chiefs wide receivers, I think uh, 
you know, McCole Hardman was, was one of the guys where everyone's like, oh, yeah, he, that, that's the right pick. This is going to be a stud. And now we're going back a yeah. couple of years now with him in yeah. particular. But that happened. And then you have Sky Moore. Everyone's like, okay, it's, I know it's not George Pickens, but he's going to be a good player. He's not been. Kadarius Tony. I think a lot of people around the NFL like that trade. Yep. He's not been. Like, at some point, when you whiff on all of those, I don't know whether to blame scouting, development, the scheme, because Andy Reid only had five 1,000-yard wide receivers in his entire coaching career, as at least yeah. as a head coach with, with Philly and, and Kansas City. I mean, there's a lot of different angles you can take, and you still come down to one thing. The wide receivers are the issue. Yeah. I want to just push back on the, the roster-building construction of it for the sake of conversation. Sure. I know a lot of people talked about this offseason, uh, New Hopkins. DeAndre mm-hmm. Hopkins being brought in. Sure. I'm pretty sure you and I did a podcast about it. I think a lot of people around Kansas City did a lot of podcasts about uh, DeAndre Hopkins coming to Kansas people City. People who didn't have podcasts were doing podcasts <laughs> on this. That's true. Um, that was a large topic of conversation. I know a lot of people were like, hey, you know what? We don't really need DeAndre Hopkins. I want to. We, we want to see these guys get some game action, get some growth in, like the Sky Moors, the, the Rasheed Rices, all of those guys. And And while I do understand that, I think having a guy, like I already mentioned with Juju Smith-Schuster, the consistency control of Juju Smith-Schuster of being, okay, this is your floor. Like, this is your floor. This is your guy that is going to be your control in all these different environments. Like, a guy like DeAndre Hopkins could have helped take some pressure off of maybe a Sky Moore, where Sky Moore, coming into the season, might have felt a lot of pressure. Might have felt a lot of pressure to have to be a guy in this offense that has to know a whole lot in a lot of different positions, and we know that the that the Andy Reid scheme, as you did mention, is not very kind to first year wide receivers or wide receivers really in general. Sure. So I I think there's something there in terms of the roster building of adding a adding a veteran who's established. I, I think that could that would have helped or could have helped. We can say that now. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I, I think could have helped is a, is a better way of putting it. Right. Could have helped in in terms of not feeling like. These younger guys have to step up. You have to rely on Kadarius Tony to play a lot of the snaps. You have to rely on Sky Moore to know where, where he's going to be on every play and know where everyone else is going to be on every play. I think that's a big thing about Travis Kelsey, too, is that not only does he know where he's, he needs to be, he knows where everyone else is going to be so he can improv to be where no one else is. So I think that's a huge part of it, and I think... Maybe Sky Moore was trying to drink out of a fire hose for a little bit there in terms of all the information trying to come. Maybe he had a little bit too much pressure on himself. But uh, I do think that, you know, I said it and I'll say it again just because I, I just want to emphasize, like, MVS's regression has been one of the more shocking things this season. I think that's really what is holding this wide receiver room back. Yeah, and if you look at the contracts, again, it's a salary cap era, so it's a little. It's always easy to say, well, yeah, just bring in the most talented guys, this, that, right. and the other, right? Again, salary cap era, the Chiefs had to make a decision. I was very critical of the Juwan Taylor signing from the get-go, that it was too much money for a right tackle. I understand the, the thought process of left tackle, right tackle, defensive ends, edge rushers, they move around in today's NFL so often. You know, right tackle is just as important. But I go, that's fine and dandy. Travis Kelsey's more important than the majority of wide receivers. You don't see him getting paid like a wide receiver. Right. You don't want to be the guy who's setting the market at a certain position. The Chiefs were at right tackle. So I have my questions there. And because of that, that'll, that cost, in my opinion, a lot of ability to try and sign and bring in a wide receiver. De- DeAndre Hopkins' contract, two-year, 26 mil. Right. I mean, like, I'm, I'm, I get it. It's not, like, massive. But, again, that, that's a good chunk of change. It's not small. It's not small. And so you're saying, yeah, it'd be great to have him, but then... What happens then? 
what happens to some of the? Uh, you can always restructure, and the contracts are obviously sure. very um, flowy, if you will. Malleable. Malleable. Great word. Thank you. Five dollar word there. Yeah, Tucker. Do I, do I owe you five dollars now? Or uh, I, think, I think that's. I'll send you a Venmo. Um, mm-hmm. Plethora. Uh, that's no. no. That's not good enough. Mm-hmm. I don't think. Oh, Kyle shaking his head. Kyle, you're on my side. I'm just here to observe, man. Man, dang, I he's an M- he's an impartial. But judge. I will, and I'll also say in regards to um, DeAndre Hopkins, he's not necessarily been the pinnacle of consistency this year. Absolutely. Of course, you know Will Levis and and uh, Ryan Tannehill. I will grant you that he's had two games over 100 yards, 128 and 140. That's outstanding. But he's only had three games, one other game of 75 or more, and that actually came last game with 12 targets. He had 75 yards, five receptions, and that was also a game that went into overtime. Mm. He's not been the pinnacle of consistency. You see the name. You see the overall stats because two games really bolstered everything he's done this season, and you're thinking, oh, yeah, that'd be great. But then you're also in the same boat of that's inconsistency coupled with the contract, coupled with the age. Right. Again, it comes down to MVS, that, that $10, 11000000 million per year. That is the, the DeAndre Hopkins. That is the uh, Jacoby Myers. The issue is you're not getting that sort of production back from MVS. Jacoby Myers played really well against the Chiefs. Uh, had a couple good catches. Um, how much does he do next year, Sterling? Because I think that they can get out of that. I, I'm, I'm actually very so, certain. Wh- wh- which one? I- MVS. Sorry, yeah. I was looking at Jacoby Myers' contract. Yeah, MVS no, MVS. Because I'm, I'm fairly certain they can get out of it um, fairly easy. We look up um, right here. Bam, boom. Uh, yeah, next year is very easy. 2024, uh, cap hit of 14, but a dead cap of only two. Mm. Um, looks like they could potentially get out of that uh, next year. I uh, I would be surprised if MVS sees a cent of that $14 million. Um, coupled with just the way he's played this year and the way that the Chiefs are kind of moving in terms of Wanting to get a bit younger at that position, probably specifically, uh, they're going to probably need to, to get rid of some money. I don't know what you think about this doing. Is I've I've heard this be be thrown on. I think Kent Swanson brought it up on the post game show, Casey Sports Network. Was that? I have the numbers pulled up really quickly on MBS. I, yeah, did, I just did my research here so that yeah. we, we sound like we're smart on this Absolutely. show. Uh, pre 6 1 our uh, release is a $2 million dead cap hit with a $12 million uh, cap savings. But a post 6 1 release is a $2 million dead cap hit. 2025 has a dead cap hit of $0. And then 2024 cap savings of 12 So it sounds like um, either pre or post, you're pretty. You're pretty fine. Pretty fine. I wouldn't be surprised if he's. If if they waive him, I guess he's not technically would be waived though since he's a veteran, so it'd be a cut. Yeah. Um, before the draft next year, but in the same in the same breath, they did have a contract situation going on that probably strung out a little bit longer than they wanted to, which might have held them in uh, might have held them hostage a little bit in terms of what they could have done in the offseason. I wonder who you're talking about. Mm, maybe the guy that. Um, I don't want to go too far. I'm, 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 I, I walked myself. I walked myself uh, back off of that one. Um, yeah, I, I I think that that's a tough. I can see you know hindsight again is 2020 when you look at look yeah. back at these situations. That negotiation probably didn't help in terms of uh, how they were trying to structure a wide receiver room uh, no. around a guy that they thought was going to resign before the ring ceremony, yep. um, and that just ended up being a holdout into the first game of the season. Some say not ideal. Some say. I, I do think that that did not help the situation, right? I think that the Chiefs were kind of um, handcuffed in that regard. 
But and uh, I, I want to talk out of both sides of my mouth. Maybe the Chiefs didn't start that conversation until too late, right? It could be that situation as well. We probably don't know the ins and outs of it. We'll probably never get a full story from it just because that's how things like this work. But I think that that also has, has an impact on how they went about building this roster this offseason. And I think, you know, we knew that this wasn't going to be a wide receiver core that competed with uh, some of the best in the room or best in the in the league, right, um, in terms of talent. But I, I've been very encouraged by Rasheed Rice and kind of how they've shifted this offense to, you know, be somewhat productive with Rasheed Rice out sure. there. The the now screens, I think Joshua Briscoe, front of the program, tweeted out his A dot was a yard, uh, which was kind of crazy. I think they, I think that probably was more game plan specific than anything. Mm-hmm. Joe Barry was playing them boys six yards off, and they said, okay, we're just going to give the ball to our best wide receiver right now and let him do his work. We'll take it. And they ran the ball until they didn't when they really needed to. One carry for but, Pacheco in the fourth quarter. He also got thrown out of the fourth quarter. So At the very end of the game. Right. Come on. He had one carry in the fourth quarter. He had three drives. Yeah, that's not good. It's not ideal when you're getting 6.1 yards a pop with pop. I just, I'm, I was just so confused. So I don't know how you felt about that. But they had that, they had the second drive before, you said they had, you said they had three drives in the, th- in the fourth, right? Mm-hmm. They were down two, down five, and down eight. The drive when they were down five. I was like, okay, run the ball. You know, you got plenty of time. It's like six minutes left in the game. Mm-hmm. You got plenty of time. You don't have to worry about time at all. You know, go put together a long drive, which they had been doing. They've been putting together some yeah. decent drives. They just end, were ending in field goals because they had those penalties that stopped them in the red zone. I was like, all right, put another one of those together. We'll be cooking. We'll be great. It'll be grand. They didn't give him the ball. And I was just so confused because he, he had a heck of a day. I think he had 110 yards, right? Yep. Uh, off the top of my head. 108 came in three quarters. <laughs> Buddy. Yeah, that's that's deflating because, look, the Chiefs were running the ball well. Um and the offensive line was blocking well. Like that's a, that's another thing. Is like you look at the PFF grades from this game. I don't know if they truly reflect what actually happened because I think Wanya Morris had like an awful run blocking grade. But he no, like, yeah. he looked good as a run blocker. I agree. That's <laughs> that's in the best. It, that was the best part of his game was his run blocking game. And his worst grade was in run blocking. He had like a seventy one pass blocking and a fifty something uh, run blocking. And I was like, all right, that seemed like the opposite. No. Exactly. I was like, I, I'm not believing this anymore until it fits my narrative again. Then I will believe it. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I just – that's a that's a Chiefs tradition, an Andy Reid tradition to just completely abandon the run when it's been working all day. And I know that they were they were running some guys in the box. They, they put another guy in the box in there, and I, and I get that. But, man, Isaiah Pacheco looked good. Yeah. Uh, final thought before we go to break and come back and uh, switch topics here. I do want to talk a little Mizzou with you as yeah. well, a little college football. But Richie James, the only other potential addition, right? This uh-huh. is the potential addition here. You know me and Richie James. Richie James' season is full effect always in the Holmes household. Yep. Uh, big, big, big Richie guy. Looks great as a return man. Very mm-hmm. solid. You know a guy who doesn't catch the ball inside the five-yard line? You know, a guy who who takes care of the football, that's Richie James. But he got put out there, and, and it was two targets, one reception. But he looked really good in that reception, really crisp route, known mm-hmm. for being a good route runner, mm-hmm. a guy who can cre- create, get a little separation, a guy who's good in the intermediate routes, which yeah. a lot of teams have been given Kansas City, a guy who's um, 
able to kind of lift a wide receiver core as he did last year for the Giants, a playoff team that won a game when he was basically wide receiver one, getting balls thrown his way from Daniel Jones. Mm. And the Chiefs have him kind of chained to the bench. Will we see a little more Richie James? They're saving him for the right time. <laughs> Secret weapon. Can't can't have, can't have too much tape out there, Sterling. You can't have too much tape out there on him. They'll know how to game plan for him. If Richie James starts playing more and starts going off, I am going to be insufferable. Well, he should probably take a lot of Sky Moore snaps. I'll get yes. that. Well, because Sky Moore is not a outside receiver. He's a slot receiver, but because Rasheed Rice has been thriving in the slot, you're not going to obviously make him go outside where he might not be as comfortable. Right. So Sky Moore is having to play on the outside, which, again, is not great for Sky Moore. It's an issue that, quite frankly, is not entirely his fault, right? right. He's right. a slot receiver who's forced to play on the outside. A little different for him. So, okay, if that's not his role, why don't we see a little more Richie James, who has proven to be able to play on the outside. Go off. And get separation. And understand the soft spots in the zone. Maybe I'm taking crazy pills. Maybe that's not really, you know, um, the correlation or, or, or non-correlation might be there. Because maybe I am taking crazy pills and can still be right here. But mm-hmm. I want to see more Richie James. That's all I'm saying. Anything at this point. I'm good, with, I'm good with anything at this point. You could tell me. You you could say, let's put Isaiah Pacheco out there, wide receiver. Clyde. And I, Clyde. Clyde, <laughs> listen, I, at this point, I'm down. And whatever, whatever it takes, I'm down. Uh, we will take a quick break, come back. More Tucker Franklin talking Mizzou after this. Welcome back to the home stretch. Time now for some college football talk. Mm. Tucker Franklin. Have you been crushing any uh, seltzers recently? Any any uh, fun drinks? Again, Tucker Franklin seltzer beer bat extraordinaire. You know, I haven't really had anything like that. Now that I think about it, I had some eggnog, but nothing. It's not a really crushable drink. Mm, no, it's too thick. That if you crush eggnog, you have. Maybe I should do that for a TikTok though. That'd be funny. That would be pretty funny. It would be pretty funny. I mean, yeah. good luck. I mean, yeah. that, that seems like a miserable thing to do, though. You know, that's how I usually decide what my TikToks are going to be, is I think, that would be pretty funny. Yeah. If I, if I chug a hard seltzer, and then I immediately give it a rating, that would be pretty funny. Yeah, it's, it's pretty good. I, I think people would think that was funny. Yeah, I think so, too. I would, I would enjoy it. And here we are. I'm yeah. 50, 50 seltzers in. 50? I think, I'm a, I think I've hit 50. 50. What, what's the top one? That's a great question. I figured you just knew off the top of your dome. No. I thought one may have stuck with you. Contrary to popular belief, I like the Topo Chico ones. There's some people that don't like You either really like them or you really don't. Oh, but they're it, solid, dude. But I, I, I am a very big fan of those. I think that they do hard seltzer as well. Yeah. Um, I do like the soda pack. The Mountain Dew ones are good if you like Mountain Dew. But like obviously, if you don't like Mountain Dew, you're not going to like them. Sure. But uh, the Baja Blast one's very good. Yeah, I mean, those are just some of the highlights. Yeah, some of the highlights right there. Just some of the highlights yeah. off the off the dome. Off the dome. Yeah. Don't, don't want to get low lights because, uh, no. quite frankly, they, they don't deserve Well, to be fair, I will give a low light, though. Uh, the eggnog one from the Bud Light Holiday Pack a couple years back? Yeah. Bad. Well, I'd assume it's an eggnog seltzer. Bad. I have no idea how they could even make that good. 
Well, they also have a cherry cordial one, which I think is equally as bad. Wow. Chocolate cherry? Are you mm. as a seltzer? Yeah, no, I do I, I do love cherries and I do yeah. love chocolate cherries. But somehow in a seltzer Mm-mm. it's you not like them it. in solid form. In solid form. You know what I do sometimes do? Put them in hot chocolate. You want to get a little little uh, and then you put a little little Baileys in there, maybe a little bourbon, some pepper, peppermint schnapps if you're really in the uh, holiday spirit. It's a good move. I like Five Farms. You ever have Five Farms no. Irish whiskey? Mm-mm. Good ice cream. I guess it is yeah. technically. It's good. Great. Is there is there is an alcoholic beverage in there? Or is it just Irish cream? Well, Irish cream implies that there's whiskey in there. I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong. It was Irish butter. Right, that doesn't have any any liquor in it. I don't know, man. I I, I don't know my it, it's, terminology. It's, it, it is alcoholic. Yeah, it's like Bailey's, but it's better than Bailey's. Uh, let's talk about Mizzou and, and Ohio State because mm-hmm. Mizzou is playing in the Cotton Bowl. Two powerhouses, uh, by the way. Quite frankly, this is two blue bloods. Yes. Um, you know, I know Ohio State would be. Uh, Pissed off because uh, they lost only one game, and that was in the Big Ten tournament or Big T- Big Ten uh, championship game to Michigan, which nope. of course they they fell. Um, I, I love it too because you'd see Ohio State fans on Twitter when they're talking about who's going to make the the final four of the college football playoffs. You'd see occasionally an Ohio State fan be like, "But what about us? We only lost one game, and that was to the number one seed." Everyone's like, "No, no, you're you're quite down of, over there. You're, you're seven. You're clearly seven. Yeah." There's there's six above you. But now they get to play Mizzou. Hmm. And Mizzou's about to take them to the cleaners, baby. Brady Cook's better than Kyle McCord. Yeah. Schrader's better than Henderson. Luther Burton? Give me him. Over Marvin Harrison Jr. Wow. I, I'm also talking with a lot of fandom right now. Maybe not as much realism right now. But uh, i got to yeah. get myself going for this one. Oh, dude. It's going to be such a good game. And I'm, I'll be there. I'll be in Dallas. I already got my tickets. I'm very excited. It was one of those things where it was like, you know what? I don't know when I'm going to see Mizzou in a, in a, uh, in a New Year's Six Bowl game again, and especially one in driving distance next year, when they're in the college football playoffs. Well, yeah, but that though, like a whole year. I guess it's like 365 days away from now. I guess right. Good, good point. Home playoff game though, too. So we go to Columbia and party it up there. But I think what's really, what's really great about this matchup. Maybe maybe not great from an Ohio State's fan point of view. If you're an Ohio State fan, if you're Ohio State in general, and you see like, oh yeah, we got the Cotton Bowl as a as a reward for losing to Michigan in the last week of the season, and we have to play Mizzou, they're probably not going to get up for Mizzou. And you could probably already see that in terms of the players that have already entered the transfer portal and yeah. and who have opted out. You're looking at Kyle McCord has entered the transfer portal, as you mentioned. Uh, Devin Brown should get that start for them. Which, by the way, he's a quarterback that wears number thirty-three. Huh. I don't know if Mizzou has any room to talk because they have a quarterback that wears number twenty-one on their roster. True. So uh, Julian Fleming, another guy who played five hundred snaps for Ohio State, a guy who's probably going to uh, be a, a wide receiver. We'll, we'll see. Be seen play on Sundays. He's entered the transfer portals. Jair Brown as well, a cornerback for them. They have a uh, a long list, a laundry list of guys who have entered the transfer portal already. And look, you already mentioned Marvin Harrison. You mentioned Travion Henderson. Emeka Abuka is another guy that's very good for them. Who, all three of those guys potentially will, potentially could sit out, I should say, because they have NFL draft aspirations. And nothing would be worse for Marvin Harrison Jr. 
for his draft stock if he goes out there and gets shut down by Ennis Rakestraw or Chris Abrams Drain. That's going to tank his draft stock. Yeah. Well, actually, I'm being I'm being facetious. What's going but, to when when Chris Abrams Drain is all over him like it's Legereus Sneed against I mean, AJ Brown? Look, and what's really positive for Missouri is like this is obviously a huge game. I think Cody Schrader called it a legacy game for the Missouri seniors, which is a really cool thing. He expects everyone to play. They've only had one transfer, I believe, is Damian Wilson, yeah. uh, he, who who played a little bit this year, not a whole lot. They haven't had in general. The Missouri team hasn't had many transfers at all, just because of. I think those guys are all all bought in fairly well. DJ Wesselak, a guy who was a highly recruited guy out of Boonville, uh, did hit the transfer portal. Didn't play a snap this year, though. So uh, they've had a couple transfers. No one who played a, a significant role on the team. Uh, and Drinkwood's also, to the end of strike straw point, he has been dealing with some injuries. They're going to try to get him healthy. And I think that if he's able to play, he will play, uh, from what from what Drinkwood said, after they were named to the Cotton Bowl. And I think those guys are... What's really good about this game is a lot of bowl games is who wants it more, right? Like yeah. who who really cares about this exhibition game more? You know, I don't think Missouri necessarily cared when they played uh, what was that Navy in the Armed Forces Bowl. Sure, I don't know if they were necessarily up for that game. I don't know if they were up for when they played, you know, Wake Forest in the Gasparilla Bowl, right? I, like, there's, there's, they'll be up for this one though. They, they will be up for this one. I think that they will be the team that wants it more. From the Ohio State point of view, you're like, wow, we almost were in the national championship. Now we have to play Missouri in the Cotton Bowl. They're like, yeah, this is not going to be as fun as maybe competing for a national championship. But rightfully so. But listen, I think Missouri's got a good chance. You'll hang that banner either way. Uh, yeah. just, they don't, they don't put who didn't play on the banner <laughs> when you hang it up, but. I'll be proud as if a Missouri fan, if they're able to pull it out and, and they are able to put it out there, I'm not going to mention who didn't play in that game. Yeah, as a Mizzou alum, this brings me so much joy, man. Th- th- this is something that uh, you, you didn't know how long it was going to be till you saw a team like this. Um, even to start the season, there was still this kind of, you know, is Brady Cook the guy? Mm. And then Eli really backed him. And Brady Cook backed his backing by showing out. I mean, Brady yeah. Cook had a hell of a season. Incredible. Cody Schrader from D2, from Truman State to 1,300, no, 1,489 yards. Right. 13 touchdowns. I mean, Luther Burden, right? You know, he's been really, really good, but he really had a breakout season. Theo Weiss, the transfer. Mm-hmm. I mean, this team was just so fun to watch. Week in and week out, even the two losses, they were competitive. And I was at that LSU game; they they fell. I mean, it was yeah. a great game until the very very end. Um, and it was a ten point loss, but quite frankly, it was uh, you know it was the interception, the pick six late, and then obviously right. against Georgia. This is as a Missoula alum again, one of the most proud I've been of the the university about a team in a long time. Yeah, just just the way they built this thing. And uh, they're they're building this right. Part of me is a little, little bummed too. Is not the twelve team playoff this year, obviously. But again, right. I think they have the groundwork laid that this is not going to just be a, a one off in the uh, Drinkwitz era. Absolutely, and the twelve team playoff does benefit teams like Missouri, like your Louisville's, like K State. I think K State and KU. Truthfully, yeah, like, and KU. Benefit- yeah. yeah. No, 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 but but I, I think like K State, for example, they, they last year. Right. I mean, like, and KU has been building this the right way. I mean, again, I thought KU. This year, just to give them a, a huge uh, positive here, to show that we're not biased on this show, yeah. they won eight games without their starting quarterback the majority uh, of the uh, season. It was pretty impressive. Yes, it was. It's absurd. Yeah. I, I, th- I 
seriously, going into this year, I said if, if, if they win five games or maybe even only six, I said KU fans don't be upset. It's a tougher schedule. Mm-hmm. They're still building this the, the right way. They're they're getting the, the the groundwork laid right now. Leipold's a damn good head coach. And what did he do? They won eight games of their starting QB. Yeah, you got to tip your cap, man. I mean that is. Very impressive. That 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 to me is is a phenomenal job. But again, Eli's he's in there running for coach of the year and and, and Leipold and and climbing. You look around right now; all three local schools have just done a great job. They're all trending up. In oh, K State, yeah. may have had a down year record wise compared to last year, but they didn't fall off. Right? They lost a lot of guys, and they did not fall. And now the Avery Johnson era is starting to get underway. I mean, there's just so much optimism around all three schools right here. And I think that does show just you make a good point about KU and how they they did what they did what they did without their without their starting quarterback, a quarterback who won Big Twelve Offensive Player of the Year, a preseason yeah. Offensive Player of the Year, uh, a quarterback who many had as as in Heisman contention coming into this season. K State, you look at them. You, you just mentioned they they were on a down year, but they were still in the Big Twelve race until the very end. Like they were still in the race to make that championship game until like the last week of the season. Now Mizzou is unfortunate to play in the same division as you know the team that won twenty nine straight games until obviously last week with Georgia. Uh, but I think when when you look at that finishing second in the SEC East, that you know has some pretty pretty darn good teams in it, and they had a pretty tough schedule this year. When you, when you look at Missouri, I think it was a little bit tougher than it was last year, mm-hmm. uh, in, in my opinion. Now, they didn't have to go to Auburn, but they had they had Georgia on the road. They had a lot of these tougher games that they had to go. They had to go to South Carolina, a tough place to play. I, I think there's a, there's a lot of the games when you look at Missouri and their schedule. You know, this year uh, you can take away a lot of positive. Brady Cook, he's got another year left. Didn't walk on senior day. What do you think there? I think, I think he's coming back. You think so? I, th- I think that's a, that's a big consensus. I know Will Howard was kind of rumored to be interested in Missouri, and Missouri rumored to be interested in Will Howard, and they shut no. that down quickly. Because I, I, I would have Brady Cook over Will Howard, and if not, I, I wouldn't mind seeing the same Horn era, if, right. if, if that's right. the case. But if Brady wants to come back, and this is a complete 180 from where I was at the start of the season. <laughs> start of the season, I said... I want Sam Horn because you saw Sam Horn even when he had incompletions. You see the way he throws the ball, yeah, and you're like, "That's different." Some zip, yeah, that's different. That that's a again. I'm not saying he's playing on Sundays, but that's the same sort of velocity, the same uh, pro type of quarterback arm that you see, and you're sitting there going, "Well, you see the upside. Let's get him out there." But then Brady Cook just keeps finding ways to get it done with his legs. You know, he's like Mahomes with his legs at times. Where he's like, he's a good runner, but he's like, no one's confusing him for right. for an elite dual threat. He's not Anthony Richardson, right? Right. He got he found ways to get it done. I just so impressed. He really has, and I think that was I've done a pretty big one eighty on him. And, and look, I know that like it's easy for us to sit back and be like, oh, well, they they should play Sam Horn going into next season. Or they should play Jabari Johnson going into next season. Or they should play Jake Garcia. Drinkwitz and the staff are not going to play a player that they don't think is better, right? Like, that's the thing is, like, people are complaining about, like, the quarterback sometimes. It was like, okay, they think he's better than the other guys behind him or they wouldn't be playing him. Especially in a season I think was fairly make or break for Eli. If Eli, won, if Eli won six games this year, he may have been out. Seriously, yeah. Yeah, he, he, may, sure. he may have gotten canned. For sure. Said he won ten. That helps in the New Year Six. I mean, I mean, seriously, like, like the array of outcomes for Eli Drinkwitz this year was so wide. It went from potentially getting canned 
Seriously, if it was a bad season, I mean, you're right. Yes. To, oh my gosh, Mizzou found the uh, the, the the head coach for the next however long, Gary Pinkle. They found the next Gary Pinkle. Yeah. It it is quite impressive. Not only is he doing it now on the field. We, we've been saying this about Drinkwitz for I think since he got hired. Like, he's a fun guy. You see, you see his interviews, the clips he does. He's a he's a little petty when it comes to certain things, and and that plays a, a whole little. Lo- <laughs> a little petty. <laughs> it plays a whole lot better when you're winning ten games a season than it does six. And yes. you're seeing a lot of that come through a little bit better. His recruiting has been incredible since he came to Missouri. Uh, he's been able to. Get guys like the number one recruit in the country, right in the backyard of Kansas City, Williams Winery, to commit to Mizzou. He's he's been on the trail for some some high profile five star guys to come to Missouri that we haven't necessarily seen in in, in times and years past. So, I think his recruiting mixed with his ability to, uh, I, I think what the biggest thing was is bringing in Kirby Moore was such a great move for this team for him to be Huge. for him to be self reflective and say okay I can't do all of it like I can't do this I need an offensive coordinator maybe at one point in his life he wanted to call the offense right at App State maybe he could do that he could do that a lot easier than at an SEC program where he's got to recruit high school kids he's got to recruit his own team he's got to recruit the transfer portal and he's got to you know make make the boosters happy and try to get NIL money there's a lot that goes into being a college head coach outside of the football field and I think that's really him being able to say, "Okay, I've got to step back and be more of like a GM than a than a than a offensive coordinator, coach, day to day stuff like that," was been has been huge for the program. Uh, final thoughts on college football: Do you like the four? Do, do you like the four that made it this year? Which I actually kind of laugh about because mm. if this would have been the B, the BCS era, no one would have had any issue because <laughs> it would have been Michigan, Washington. The, the one time the BCS era would have actually yeah. made sense was this year because there were six teams that I think quite frankly, deserved. And if you wanted to throw Ohio State in there, I wouldn't actually have that big of an issue in the grand scheme of things. But there's only four. Did they get it right? Yes, they did. I think they picked... I I think that they got the four teams that... uh, I think they have a good blend of teams that deserved and and the four best, right? I I think there's a good blend of that in there. Alabama beating Georgia is like not... Like, that's a huge thing. Texas... uh, beating Alabama in the regular season, they had to show that that mattered. They had had to show that winning in the regular season against a team that could be a college playoff team and you're the same record as them, they had to show that that mattered. I think the really hard part is with the Florida State thing is like there was going to be one group that was going to be pissed off, right? There was going to be one group that was going to be upset. Well, there's five power conferences in four spots. Right. Mike Leach said it best uh, when, rest in peace to Mike Leach, uh, I think this was back in 2017, he was talking about like the college football playoff and just like, why do we have four? Like, yeah. well, it doesn't make sense. Like, if you look at every single level of football, you're going down to the YMCA, they got the same playoff structure as they do at the NFL. They've got the same playoff structure at D3 as they do at D2 and yeah. D1AA and, and FCA. Like, all of that stuff is the same playoff structure. Why do they struggle so much with a 14-16 team playoff? Like, that, it it still boggles my mind that they're like, no, we have to do this differently than everybody yes. else, and we have to have a committee decide four teams. We have to do a bowl championship series. We have to do that way, mm-hmm. and then we have to do uh, we have to do you know not only four teams, and we'll expand it to twelve for a little bit, but then we'll see. It's all very interesting to why they chose to do that in terms of just like the the four teams. I don't know why they thought it wouldn't work. 
I but, was. I always said that six or eight made the most sense personally because yeah. if you have five power conferences, right? Right. Then you basically have one from each, and the six spot allows you probably a group of five. Or if it's Alabama and Georgia, yeah. If it's uh, Michigan and Ohio State, if it's eight, that's even better. That's great. Then you don't even have any of this conversation. Mm-hmm. And again, we are going that way. I just feel for the Florida State players, absolutely, and the fans because if that happened to let's say Mizzou. It'd suck. It, it would suck. Mm-hmm. You would be furious. You'd be pissed. I, I, I don't begrudge anyone who, angry who's a Florida State fan. Absolutely. A, as a observer of, of, of purveyor of college football, and yeah. I didn't want to watch Florida State. No. I saw that Louisville game. I watched the entire game. Yeah. It, Louisville tried to hand them the game, and they wouldn't take it. Like, I get that was their third string, and their second string is going to be back because of the concussion. I get all that yeah. stuff, man. And do I feel for them? But it's it's not just a who is the most deserving. It's also who is the best. And there is an injury stipulation. There is. I know people say there's well, there's no injury. There is, there is an injury stipulation. It sucks. It really sucks. Last thing on this, I want to tell you how I knew the committee made the right choice. If you watch a video that came from inside oh, yeah. of the Michigan the Michigan party <laughs> when Alabama was announced, you didn't get raucous cheering or nope. or uh, yep they're just like, oh. that's kind of the, the general reaction is oh it was gosh it was oblique that is how you know the committee made the right choice yeah. I still think Georgia is one of the four best teams, but I also don't think there's a way to there was no way. I don't, for them I don't to know go where and, to I don't know where to put them. I don't know where to where to get them in there. I really don't. They they lost to Alabama, and you have to give Texas over Alabama. Yep. Like that's the thing. Like they just were the odd man out here. And like, then also Alabama's tough because you're sitting here going, well, then why would they schedule Texas? They could just put Alabama S and M. Yeah, and they would be undefeated. Right. It's so hard, man. And also, I do. I will say what made it even worse. I think for Florida State fans. They go, all right, so we're better than Georgia, but somehow we're not. <laughs> because, no, no, right. no because, you're because, right. You're because right. you're like, well, if you use the same argument, then wouldn't Georgia be the five and FSU be the six? Because, again, if you're using the same argument that, you know, well, who would win in a game? Well, we're going to find out, of course. Yeah, but it's just like, okay. The inconsistencies are why I'm very glad, mm. very, very glad the four-team playoff is coming to an end. Rest in peace. We will take a quick break, come back. More Tucker Franklin as we finish up right here on the Homestretch. Welcome back to the Homestretch. Sterling Holmes, uh, Tucker Franklin, Kyle behind the glass. Do the Chiefs end up with the one seed? Oh, what what a loaded question you give me to end this here. That's the, the goal. Yeah, I guess I, I try and put you in the spot in that way. If you say something wrong and people yell at you, at least you're not in studio to hear the yelling at you. I'm going to say yes. Okay. I think a lot of people, when they look at the one seed race, they assume that every other team is going to win out. Mm-hmm. Miami's got a tough stretch. The Jaguars just had Trevor Lawrence go down. Now, how long he's going to be out, we'll see. Uh, I think they said he's week-to-week week on uh, on Tuesday. So we'll see how long he is. They had a pretty easy stretch. They had a pretty winnable stretch, I, I believe, if you look at their schedule. They had a pretty winnable one with Trevor Lawrence. C.J. Beathard probably changes that up a little bit. Uh, the Ravens, they got a, they got a, they got a, a pretty tough stretch. Rams at Jacksonville at San Fran versus Miami versus Pittsburgh. And I think the Ravens are the best team. 
in the AFC right now. Yeah. But that's a that's a brutal stretch of games against well again, Jacksonville's the the main in Jacksonville's mm-hmm. the main one if Trevor Lawrence is there or not. But the Rams are a good team. Yep. They they they're six and six and they, they can score points sometimes and then at San Fran, probably an L and versus Miami. Mm. So you're looking at all these teams not so you have to bank on and the Chiefs stretch compared to all those other ones is, is pretty pretty light. Very light Buffalo. At New England, who can't score points, legitimately can't score zero points, uh, against the Raiders, against Cincinnati, which, uh, well, Jake Brownie, no baby. Watch out. QB controversy. I think so. And then at the Chargers. I mean, compared to the other teams in the AFC, that's a relatively, again, relatively Mm -hmm. easier stretch. And they have the tiebreakers over the team that we both think is the best team in the AFC. Correct. Have the tiebreakers over the Dolphins as well. Correct. And the Jaguars. Correct. So going down the stretch, they're going to have the tiebreakers over all three teams. Now the hard part's going to be winning out, right? Mm. That's going to be the hard part. But if they do, I think they have it. Yeah. What do you think of the game against Buffalo? Because this is a fascinating game Boy. for me where Buffalo's a team where I don't think they make the playoffs. But if they do, that's a team you don't want to play, right? No. That That's like... Uh, it's almost like Alabama. No one thought they were making the playoffs, right? right. And they did, and everyone's yeah. like, oh, bleep. Like, you don't want to play that team. You don't want to play Buffalo in the playoffs because Josh Allen's the only guy that when he is on is comparable to Mahomes. Now, right. will he or will he not be on? Will he not have a back-breaking turnover? Obviously, that's the, the huge question for him, especially in the playoffs. But they're fighting for their playoff lives, and they've been good against Kansas City, mm-hmm. even in Arrowhead, mm-hmm. during the regular season. What do you think of this one? It's a make-or-break game for both teams. Like that's the thing. It's like I think this is a very important game for both teams. I don't think the Chiefs are blind to the importance of this game for Buffalo, knowing that they basically need to win it to stay in contention to get into the playoffs. They're going to know that going into it. it it's going to be one of those things where uh, Patrick Mahomes doesn't lose back-to-back games very often. Uh, it, we're gonna have a lot of statistics going back and forth uh, between these between these two teams. And you're right about Josh Allen, man. He he has the highest of highs sometimes and the lowest of lows. It is actually incredible. I've been starting to com- compare him to Jameis Winston, but like a souped up Jameis Winston, right? For sure, for sure, like a really good Jameis Winston. But like you look at the yards interception numbers, <laughs> buddy. It looks. It's starting to look very similar. By the way, can we just start Jameis in New Orleans? Because I'm so sick and tired of watching check to. down car. Josh, I Josh Allen doesn't rap on the sidelines to his starting quarterback. It's a broken <laughs> car. That's true. Does he eat W's? Do we know that? Who? Uh, Josh Allen? Does he eat W's like no, Jameis does? Not or? that I know of. He needs ah, to. He needs, that's what he needs to start doing. Tucker D. Franklin, content manager for KC Sports Network and president of Sleepy Boy Society. Yes, sir. He's tired a lot. Link in the bio. You can oh, go get your... In Get your merch. The bio at Tucker D. Franklin. Tucker, really appreciate it. Thank you, Sterling. To listen to me whine about nothing and everything all at once. I am one of those melodramatic fools. Neurotic to the Get ready to listen to us whine. Because it's Josh Briscoe, baby. It's Briscoe and Sterling in on a uh, lovely, 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 lovely Wednesday. I can't talk right now. Good thing it's radio. Listen. 
sometimes getting the car out of the station is the hardest part. <laughs> and I don't know what exactly in your mustache short-circuited right there, but it all, uh, yeah. I think it's going to be okay. I think yeah. we're going to have a good time together, whatever that means for you. I was doing my best Chiefs wide receiver impersonation. Did you drop the ball? Because I dropped the ball, yeah. yeah. We weren't on the same page. No, we weren't you on the same page. You and Dylan not on the same page. We don't know who to blame. You would, no one knows. It's, I, it's the receivers. I think um, just give you some more reps or maybe fewer reps or maybe a larger rotation or maybe a smaller rotation. One of those things I bet probably certainly fixes it. And somehow we should blame Connor Embry. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen. I think the Chiefs wide receivers have the blessing of having a very large pie to which everyone can get a little slice of the blame. I think everybody gets to claim a little bit. I wasn't going to start here, but now I'm really... Hell yeah. I'm really, I'm really into this, and I want to keep talking about this because it's fun for me, and right. I think I'm a little bit alone on this hill, and I think I can try and sway people here. Your mustache? My mustache. It sure. sways in the wind. Yeah, okay. it does. So, so it's very Wilfred. Wil, Wilfred? William? It's definitely Brimley. not William. Brimley. The, Don't disrespect my culture like that. <laughs> it's Wilfred Brimley, correct? Wilfred. Yeah, Wil- Wilford. Wilford. Wilford Brimley. Yeah. Sounds like, I, I have, sounds like I, a made-up name, just how Parker Washington sounds like a made-up name, but then is, he yeah. also went off for the Jacksonville Jaguars, a rookie. Again, just a random dude, and of course he found a way to make an impact in a game when also Christian Kirk went that, out. Also kind of his fault that Trevor Lawrence got hurt, though. Like, that's <laughs> a little uh, receiver quarterback not on the same page thing. Trevor Lawrence wanted to put that ball out there. And he wasn't ready for it. So it was, in his defense, it was his yeah. first targets of the year all came in that game. But, you know, give Sky more six more years. <laughs> Seven? What year is this for him? Where I'm at is blaming just the wide receiver seems a little far-fetched. Blaming Connor Embry alone feels far-fetched. Blaming Brett Veach only feels far-fetched. But I'm also stuck here in a situation where... The majority of people, if you were someone who said the wide receiver room was buns going into this year, mm-hmm. uh, raise your hand. Yeah, uh, out of 100 people, there may have been seven. Right? I think a lot of people oh. were sitting here going, you know what? This wide receiver room, while it doesn't have a bona fide wide receiver one, there's a lot of depth. There's a lot of talent. They'll figure it out. Right? whole bunch of second-round draft picks here. They should be at least decent. It's what the Chiefs were, were arguing at That's least. what they were arguing at least. Right? You have Kadarius Toney, former first-rounder. McCall Hardman, who was not here, but now he's back. Second-rounder. You have Rasheed Rice, second-rounder. Sky Moore, second-rounder. You have a veteran in the MVS. You have a perpetual um, blanket, if you will, in the Chiefs, I, I think, mind in Justin Watson. And you brought in a guy who was very effective in limited action last year as the season went on in Richie James. But where I find this disconnect is you look at the Houston Texans. Okay, mm-hmm. This is not me trying to say C.J. Stroud versus Mahomes. This is wide receiver only, okay? Sure. Because right now, as we sit here on December 6th... You can't get distracted by the fact that the Texans have the better quarterback. So you have to take the quarterback you... out of the picture, right? That's what you're saying? As we sit here on December 6th, you would clearly take all of the Houston Texans wide receivers over the Chiefs. I, I'm not saying, like, you would take... Uh, Noah Brown over Rasheed Rice, but I'm saying, would you let the Texans you, wide receivers uh-huh. over overall, or would you the, the the Chiefs? You would say Texans. I think and, the Chiefs would lose that that game against probably like 30 teams right now. But but the reason why I want to use this team uh-huh. is because I think it's the best example going into this season of a game plan. MVS, your veteran, mm-hmm. he's been a guy. Yep. Robert Woods, at this point in his career, your veteran has just been a guy. Yep. Nico Collins, Tank Dell, 
There's your Sky Moore. There is your Rasheed Rice. But the only difference is those dudes are drafted in the third round, both the Chiefs in the second. Now you get to Noah Brown. There's your Justin Watson, 27-year-old journeyman from the Cowboys. Now he's in Houston. The difference is the Chiefs also have uh, Kadarius Toney. And Travis Kelsey while we're at it. Okay, I, but I'm trying to leave him out of it because it makes the Chiefs even sadder. Well, and and, Dal- even and Dalton worse. Schultz is no Travis Kelsey. Correct. He's been a good tight end. Okay, right, sure. The point is, if you went into this season... Mm-hmm. You would have one thousand percent said the Chiefs have a better wide receiver core than the Texans. Probably, yeah. I think you would have. I think Probably. the majority. If you, and I was a guy who was very high on Houston this season. That's one of the uh, bold predictions that I feel pretty good about. The point is, as we said on December sixth, not even close. And I wonder where the disconnect is. The reason why I bring this up and why I use Houston specifically, because you look at what they did and what the Chiefs did, and they're very similar philosophies. The difference is, one looks like budding stars, and has been really good, mm-hmm. and the other one looks like the worst wide receiver core in the entire NFL. Yep. So does this come down to development, right? Second rounders versus third rounders. Does it come down to identifying talent? Again, second rounders versus third rounders. Does this come down to the scheme is too hard to pick up? C.J. Stroud and the Texans are basically saying, you know what, believe it, he's down there somewhere, and they trust those guys, and they've made huge plays. Over here in Kansas City, the veterans can't even run the correct routes. So where is the disconnect? In your mind, again, you probably don't have the the exact answer. i got a few. But my point here is, you look at a very similar situation with completely differing results. Yeah, Mahomes is better than Kelsey. I mean, Mahomes is better than CJ Stroud. Mm-hmm. Kelsey's better than Schultz. Yes. Offensive lines, I think, are pretty similar. Uh, Houston's is good. Yeah. Laramie Tunsil is one of the best left tackles in football. Yeah. Obviously, the interior of Kansas City, I think, of Creed, Joe, and um, Trey Smith, uh, Trey Smith yeah. are, are, are better. But again, I think it's a decent comparison there. Sure. You look at it, and you're sitting here going, okay, the Houston Texans offense passing-wise is electric, and the Chiefs is anemic. Yeah. What is happening? I would be interested to see some of the like um, offensive uh, success and efficiency metrics for the Chiefs in the Texans passing game. I have not sure. seen them, and I would be curious because I do think a lot of the Chiefs' issues are exacerbated by red zone issues and all of that. All of it to say, though, it is obvious the Chiefs have had a wide receiver absolute disaster all year long. Like there is that 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 argument has been vaporized to the point that it's barely worth retreading and, and there are no longer no longer a battle for converts there. Everyone can see that. I think the answer to what has gone wrong for the Chiefs is it evaluation, coaching, players, front office coaching players, uh, the answer is yes. Yes, of course. It's all it's all of it. It's a little bit of all of it. I don't know what MVS has learned this offseason and, and through this year that has made it more difficult for him to adjust to a, an incoming safety on a deep route, but that's not, that cannot possibly be Brett Veach or Connor Embry's fault, right? Yeah. Like, that, like those, when MVS drops the football and when Kadarius Tony drops the game in week one, that's not coaching or scouting. MVS does have some deep drop issues from Green Bay. I mean, that's sort of consistent behavior on tape, if you will. Sure. Kadarius Tony's not that guy. But those are execution issues, right? And the evaluation side, I think we can probably see pretty clearly at this point. People kind of like the Sky Moore and Rasheed Rice picks for the most part. Obviously, Rice is on a good track. and hmm. <laughs> This is why I liken it to the Kansas City Royals, mm-hmm. right? Because for how long, let's just say uh, Jackson Coar. 
let's just say Daniel Lynch. Okay. Guys who ace a lacy. Uh-huh. Consensus, that was the right pick. Yeah. Like, like the, the entire league was like, you know, that's a pretty good pick for the Royals. Yeah. Rasheed Rice coming. That's a pretty good pick for the for the Chiefs. Yeah, and then you see her, and, and that's my question is again with the, with the disconnect is if everyone else thinks these dudes are good mm-hmm. or at least solid picks, the, my, the talent must be there. My, my third side of this triangle might be pretty might be pretty convincing, Sterling. We'll just have to see if I get there or not. So because there was relative consensus agreement on those guys, it's not like they were huge reaches. It wasn't Breland speaks of like, are we sure about this? Sure. Sky Moore obviously smaller school, and like they could have just stayed pat and taken George Pickens, but you know that was never happening. I guess whatever. Here's a question that I will pose back to you, and again, my I'll, I'll spoil it a little bit. There's blame everywhere. The fact that the Chiefs front office said we're going to have a whole bunch of of, of one-dimensional gadget guy types, or no, really one-dimensional types, or which can include gadget guys. MBS, MBS isn't a gadget guy or a slot receiver, but he is kind of one note, right? Because yeah. he's just, hey, that way. The construction of this group, I still think philosophically, was pretty rough. It was a lot of weight on Sky Moore taking a big second-year jump, a lot of weight on Richie James, a, a, lot, of, a lot of weight on, on all of the – Canaries Tony, again, being healthy and all of that. Richie James bringing him and making him, you know, Daniel Jones' favorite target last year. Let's see what he does. Patrick, no. The roster construction of that group, still not good. But here's a question I'll ask you that uh, I've been tinkering around with this week. Imagine a world where this exact Kansas City Chiefs team, the head coach is Steve Spagnuolo. Offensive coordinator is Matt Nagy. All of the positional coaches are all exactly the same. The only thing that's different is that Spags is the head coach and, you know, D.C., maybe Joe Cullen, the D.C., whatever. But that's on the defensive side. Especially if this was the first year without Andy Reid, without Andy Reid's name on this offense, how would we be talking about this coaching staff? We would say they've done a great job defensively and the offense has been a bummer. And you would say, man, what what was Andy Reid holding together there by being the mastermind that had a better version of the offense? Man, the coaching really fell off the ship. Now, look. Here's the other side of this. I think frequently just blanket criticizing coaching is kind of a lazy way out. It not not that it's intellectually dishonest even, but it's just not it's just not a rich enough vein to tap. If you say, oh, you know, it's not a very well coached team, well, what does that mean? Does that mean Juwan Taylor's jumping off sides or you know, false starting? Does it mean Donovan Smith's holding? Does it mean Legarius Sneak gets hands in the face penalties? That's not coaches know that hey man, they're they're telling their players to not get penalized when they can help it. Is coaching game situations? Is it game plan? All that's really hard to evaluate. But I certainly don't think you can make a reasonable argument that the coaching staff is elevating the pieces they have. MVS has regressed this year. Justin Watson is at best the same guy he was last year. Richie James has had less impact in this offense than he had with the New York Giants offense last year. Mm-hmm. Kadarius Tony, his usage has been so inconsistent that it feels like I'm not sure the Chiefs coaching staff knows how they want to use him yet. And at this point, it might just be bubble wrap more or less until the playoffs. And if that's the plan, at least it's a plan. At least it's a plan. Yeah, it's a bubble wrap, but we'll use him as uh, in some handoffs so he can take some unnecessary hits, yeah. There, are, there is some confusion there. Sky Moore in year two, what, I mean, he's the exact same guy. The, there, he was better last year. There is, and, maybe, and maybe so. Rasheed Rice, who is really good and has lots of good traits— I don't know if there's a whole lot he is significantly better at right now than he was in week one. His average depth of target on Sunday was one yard downfield. It's all horizontal. Another just sort of preemptive strike because of people ended up tweeting about this at me. I'm not saying Rasheed Rice should not get all the horizontal touches in the world. 
feed him horizontally and let him go vertically. That's great. But also maybe let him receive a football a few yards down the field. Because when you did it against the Raiders, it worked really, really well. Point being, the long answer to your short question is that everybody here has some fault to be taken. And let's be real, too. He went downfield once against the Packers, and what happened? He drew a pass interference. That's a good point. So, That's a good point. And if you don't trust him, how the hell are you trusting MVS, who's shown time and time again this season he has no idea where to be? Yeah. Like, okay, so why not at least try the guy who's younger, who's growing, who's learning? Okay, have him learn on the fly. I don't want to see MVS out there get turned around like a pretzel in year six in the NFL. Yep. I'm done with that. MVS, MVS is, is failing to track the fly ball that Patrick Mahomes is putting exactly where the ball should be. Yeah. And Sky Moore and Patrick Mahomes can't decide if he should be, should be exploding off the line of scrimmage or not. I know there's been a little bit of sort of like counter-programming on, uh, that makes it sound like it's a conspiracy. I don't, that's not what I mean. There, there are reasonable. You are wearing a tinfoil hat, which is a little interesting. I actually, people don't know this, during football season, I line all my baseball caps with tinfoil just to make sure that I'm safe, but it's kind of like incognito that way. (laughs) And then you say it's not a conspiracy as you're wearing that, yeah. That's right, yeah. Mm -hmm. You should, you should see my basement. Uh, but it, it's, I don't think it's, again, like dishonest to say that Mahomes and Sky Moore could probably share some blame on the interception. Oh, sure. But what I can tell you with confidence is that Patrick Mahomes thought the play there was Sky Moore hauling to that spot, going over the shoulder. Maybe it could have been a back shoulder. Maybe Sky Moore could have made a play on the ball if it was a back shoulder, whatever. But that's not what Mahomes saw. MVS drifting to the inside. Maybe that was the original round, but that's not what Mahomes saw. Folks, we got Christmas trees up. It is December. And we are still talking about those things from guys who were here last year. What 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 on earth can we do with that? The only positive is when you see Rasheed Rice and he's getting called, he's becoming Mahomes friendly, and yeah. you're like, that's great, because that for me tells me, okay, he's starting to understand what he sees. Sure. And also, when the first play breaks down, he's making himself available on the second play, but if he's the only guy doing that, you got to have some help. Again, before I get into the the Texans and, and Chiefs passing metrics, I got a couple that I'm going to throw at yeah, you because I, I, I just pulled them up because I thought it was interesting. Yeah, and I they're, they're not that. super analytical ones, there, but they're more baseline. But still, I think there's some good ranks there. Okay. When it comes to the actual game plan heading into this season, now again, I like to be honest in in what I say, mm-hmm. and I was someone who said there is reason for optimism, and I said this might be the deepest wide receiver room the Chiefs have had in the Mahomes era. I didn't say the best. Yeah. I said the deepest. The I, deepest, like, I, a, like a pit. But no, I, I, I truthfully thought it was going to be decent. Because again, you look, you look at Houston, you look at Kansas City, I think they had the same game plan, and I actually agree with both sides. For everyone that wanted DeAndre Hopkins, you would have loved this year. Again, he's only had two games this year, over 100 yards, and I understand you know you have Ryan Tannehill. I get it, but he's not been the pinnacle of consistency there. He's been mm-hmm. solid, he's had some explosions, he's also had some duds. Sure. He'd be the best receiver on this team by a country mile. But one hundred percent. Yeah, just just one hundred percent. But but you look at the contract; it was two year, twenty six mil. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. that's fine and dandy. Mm-hmm. You would have taken this year. Mm-hmm. It's that second year that was the holdup, and they gave that money again. The thought process was Mahomes can't get the ball out if he's getting hit. Right. We saw what happened in the Super Bowl. So you give right. a lot of money to to uh, Jawan Taylor. Yep. I was very skeptical of that deal when it happened. I'm very skeptical of it now. Travis Kelsey, for example, yep. right? How good is he? Is he better than the majority of wide receivers in the NFL? Yes, uh, absolutely. Uh-huh. He's more valuable than them, too, right? Yes, absolutely. But look at his contract. Yep. He's a tight end. 
Hey, how- so you don't pay him like a wide receiver. So, hey, Jawan Taylor, I don't care that he goes up against a lot of the same uh, edge rushers that left tackles do. Ooh. This is the part I don't care about. Okay, we agree in this, but I don't care about this part. You of don't it. make a right tackle. You don't pay him like an elite left tackle. You don't do it. You know why? Because the rest of the NFL contracts aren't there. Don't be the first one. But they're also not paying him like an elite left tackle. They're, they're paying, paying like him like a starting good. left tackle. I mean, they're, they're, if you are not Lane Johnson, twenty and, million flat over four years. He's gonna. That's, that's gonna be absurd. A, that's gonna be a pretty mid-level starting left tackle contract over the life of that for deal. a mid-level starting right tackle so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they. I mean, they were betting on him being an elite right tackle, but that's fine with me if he is that. So that's the. I don't care about and left side. None right of the side. metrics have ever shown that when he was in Jacksonville. So that was a bold. It was a, I disagree on that a little bit. I mean, in terms of him being a pass protector at right tackle, but no, listen. I thought they were going to put him at left. I don't think. To me, if it's, if if you're paying twenty five million dollars for your two tackles combined, fine. Then it's, it's your, your finances are you're fine. Solid. That's Donovan Smith. That would be Wanya Morris. Whatever. I don't really care. Who we plays hope it's Wanya Morris. I I, I get sure, it. Certainly. My, but but, but my point is, when you spend all the money. Invoke Joe Tooney, which is, I think I think is a better example of that Completely elite fine. player at a non-impact position. When you pay that much money for that, mm-hmm. that is going to hinder what you can do at wide receiver. Correct. When you have a holdout with Chris Jones, yes. that's going to hinder what you can do at wide receiver. When you have such a horrendous defense historically, then you spend all your draft capital, especially early on at all but the majority, first-rounder FAU, first-rounder George Karloffis, first-rounder Trent McDuffie, second and thirds perpetually on your linebacker spots and your secondary, right? Yep. Tons of draft capital. And your, your other free agent offseason signing is depth at at uh, linebacker, linebacker and safety, depth at safety, yep. and then depth with Charles and Minahu. Yep. Well, of course you're going to have less room to spend at wide receiver. And again, the game plan, which is why I don't 100 percent blame Brett Veach. I know I'm going to get angry mail about. I'll blame him a little bit I'll because cover him, yeah. that's fine. Because my thought process is Mahomes, and we figure this. He can make wide receivers better. Right. He can't get the ball out if he doesn't have time. So we'll spend. But he money does on, make his on, offensive line better. He does make the O line better though. consistently. But he also can't make the defense better. So the thought process was, we will invest heavily in the draft and in free agency on the defense. We will invest heavily in the draft and in the uh, free agency in the offensive line. He will make the wide receivers better. Because in the salary cap era, you have to cut back somewhere. They haven't running back ever since the Clyde pick, and that's a sunk cost at this point. So wide receiver was that spot. I don't necessarily hate the thought process that went into this past offseason. I hate the results. And I think a lot of people might be in the same boat and they're afraid to say it. Next year, the... Oh, come on. Give me the next year, Spotrack. What are we doing here? Update. Give me that update button. Next year, as things currently stand, the Chiefs will have around $51.5 million wrapped up in two offensive linemen. Joe Tooney and Jawan Taylor against the cap next year. Neat. Um, you mentioned somebody else had tweeted today that kind of going through like the places where, you know, the Chiefs haven't really missed on a bunch of skill position draft picks. They just haven't taken that many. Well, friends, uh, one thing that happens when you do spend those draft picks elsewhere is that you run out of opportunities to spend them on more high value positions. The last couple of years they've been on a good track with this. But when in three consecutive years you spend a second, a second, and a third on linebackers, yeah, that's ammunition that you no longer have going into your receiver group or anywhere else. If you're not taking three linebackers in day two, three years in a row, maybe you draft your successful right tackle that keeps you from spending, or more likely, draft a guard that keeps you from spending $25 million on an elite-level replacement guard. 
after you have your offensive line fall apart. These are team building choices they made. And, and I think it's by, it was by choice by and large at the time because you get to Nick Bolton in the second and Willie Gay in the second year prior and Leo Chanel in the third. I think most people could have looked at a draft board there and said, well, these guys are kind of these are still values at these spots. I mean, sure. these are players who really are falling down draft boards. And they've more. been good. They've been good, but this is the point. They're they're falling down the draft boards because they're really good players at a less valuable position. Mm. So we'll take the really good players, even though the position's not as premium. This was also the Clyde logic of we'll we'll take a better player at a less valuable position because that's just that's good. It's a good way to get value and to get really really good players without picking in the top fifteen. So I understand where that comes from. But then your really important positions come home to roost, and you mm. have not invested that way. They, they did invest to some extent in spending money on Sammy Watkins to Juju sure. Schuster to MVS and three, obviously the Tyreek Hill extension. But you, you're always rearranging the chairs that way, and the thing that I don't like is this feeling that, like, oh, well, their hands were tied. You know, like they, No, they, they tied their hands up when they, when they signed Joe, the Joe Tooney deal as an excellent football player. That's the one for me that at the time I felt like the crazy person looking around being like, hey, everybody, are you sure that it's a good idea to pay this kind of money to a guard? He, he can literally be the Terminator, but if he's not allowed to use any of the rockets, I don't think he's going to have the impact of his salary cap there. And so I, I, I think by and large, and we'll find out this offseason how the Chiefs actually react and adjust to all of this because they'll tell us what they really think when they are able to make changes. But I think the Chiefs painted themselves into a little bit of a corner and said, okay, yes, we are going to let Mahomes make these receivers better. The problem is to to take a, a, a page out of my friend Seth Kaiser's book. You got to be this tall to ride. If you get Patrick Mahomes, superstar Travis Kelsey, who, by the way, is older and has been banged up this year. He's still been excellent and still on pace for over a kid. It, it makes yes. me laugh so hard. It's amazing. Because people are like, oh, he looks slow and washed up. And you're like, he's still the best tight end in football in Nevada to go over a K. Like, we're, yeah. we're pretty spoiled here. Uh, for sure. He looks another little bit slower. He, You'll never hear me say that W word in relation to Travis Kelsey. That what is I, not. What would I say? I'm not going to say it. I don't want it to get clipped. Second word. It's li- it's like when you, before you dry you, your laundry, you. I didn't say that. You said you said washed. You said I just wasn't going to use it. He said it. Well, yeah, but now we're so far <laughs> apart that this could be anything. Um, I had to put some distance between uh, that conversation and, and that word. So I, the logic can work if you have if you have guys who are tall enough to get on the roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Last year, Juju Smith Schuster was just tall enough to get on that roller coaster, and this offense looked completely fundamentally different. Also, at times last year, MVS was tall enough to ride the roller coaster, and this year he has not been. So I, I think you are seeing, again, a little bit of them painting themselves into a corner and then making some bets on Canarius Tony being healthy, mm-hmm. which we all looked around and went, are you sure? Sky Moore taking a big second-year jump. We all looked around and said, all right, if you say so, we'll we'll see how it goes. And they they were not betting on Rasheed Rice being the number one receiver on this team. That is out of necessity. I, I don't even think they're thrilled that that's where they're at now. Like, no disrespect to where Rasheed Rice is, but the way they're using him, I think they'd love to, ha- to have an excuse to cut that workload down some if you were getting more from the guys that you were expecting in their second years in the system. It's all interconnected. So it's all complicated. So everybody, once again, kind of gets a slice of the pie in my book. Yeah. Uh, He's have to, or he's had to take on the Karloffis role last year to an extent, where Karloffis was forced by necessity because they had yeah. no one at edge. But uh, they drafted Karloffis knowing 
Frank Clark is going to only play this chunk of plays, and we we are going to need you to play a lot. Like, that was part of his... Of his selling point was like, sure. hey, he's raw, but he could play. That was that was my best prediction last preseason was George Karloftis will lead Chiefs defensive ends and snaps. I, I have that take on the record somewhere yeah. because that was a part of that was a part of the vision, I think, to some extent. Rasheed Rice is is that on an accelerated pace. Yeah. Which is not ideal in a position so important. Especially when in Andy Reid's head coaching tenure, only five different receivers have gone over 1,000 yards, uh, which is pretty crazy to think for a guy who's been such an offensive genius. That a guy. is crazy. Again, I'm not saying this is not necessarily like me trying five to. Five like, different receivers. Five different receivers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jeremy Macklin, Tyreek Hill, uh, Sean Jackson had Deshaun to get, like, Jackson, I think. It was like I think. Once, though, maybe. And it wasn't James Thrash, it was someone else in Philly. Um,. I think Jeremy Macklin actually did it twice. Like once Jason Avant ever get there? Yeah, so whatever it is, but the point remains the same. Only five, so maybe that does go back to how difficult Andy Reid's system really is, and how only a handful of guys can really pick it up and explode. Um, Part of that could be on the coaching side too, of being like, "Hey, um, you know, if, if you can't get good players the ball in their hands, sure, you know that that can go on." Deshaun Jackson had several thousand yard seasons. There was a weird. Maybe the stat that blew my mind is that Deshaun Jackson never had a uh, double-digit touchdown season, hmm. which just sort of feels wrong. And Oh, no, here's what it was. We, I think we actually talked about this maybe on a show at some point a long time ago. Do you know how many Pro Bowls Deshaun Jackson made? Three. It's three. Wow. Three. I, that was a good guess. Three. How many did you think he made? He, he was always like a solid I, I would have. But... I would have taken the over because... He and he was he was never an All Pro. He yeah. was a three time Pro Bowl and never an All Pro. Because I, I think what what shocked me about it last time is that he was such a highlight reel that mm. I remember whatever my you know thirteen year old brain he was Tyreek Hill and he ah. wasn't he wasn't actually no. but man the 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 type of game that he played was so conducive to just wanting to watch his highlights or to watch him run in space all day. He, he was getting open behind safeties with the Rams like two years ago. Sure. I mean, that's he's just I, I I find him fascinating and just a, a member of the uh, of the all swag uh, NFL team. I think is what we figured out last time too. Before we go to break, all vibes. I think is what it was. Uh, Thomas Jones biceps have to be on there. Uh, before we go to break, here's the Houston and Chiefs kind of wrapping this entire little. Oh yeah, sure. A, a nice little bow. Put a bow on since it. it's Christmas time. All right, uh, let's go, and I'll have you guess. Um, we'll go with yards per pass, 6.7. Yards per pass, 7.8. Oh, like who's who? Yeah. Uh, per, yards per... Are you going to pick bad metrics, still? I'll, I'll go ahead and say the Texans are the, the, the more explosive. Yeah, which is third, and the Chiefs are, are 11th. Okay. Which, which makes me, again, why the penalties have been such an issue for Kansas City, because they're not quite as explosive as they once were. So back in the day, first and 15, you're like, oh, who cares? Right. Now it's... Yep. First and fifth, you go, oh, bleep, this seems insurmountable. Yes, go, go punt. Go ahead. Uh, yards per game, again, bad one, but one's eighth in the NFL. The other one is second in the NFL. Obviously, CJ Both Stratt. top ten. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, that is, yeah. Uh, interception percent thrown. Inter- interception percentage. Oh, the Chiefs are way higher here. I don't even so, know the options. So, one's number one in the NFL. Best or worst number one? Best. Okay, yeah, so Stratt, I mean, Stratt had through, like, no picks for, like, ten weeks or something. And then Kansas City is 25th. Yeah, that makes sense. Based on, not the amount of interceptions, but amount on how much you throw. Right. So 2.67% of the time, it's an interception for the uh, Houston Texans is 1.19. Sack percentage, obviously Mahomes crushes him there. He's second in the NFL. C.J. Stroud is 20th. 
But again, you just look at it. The, the reason being is because Houston throws the ball 13th highest in the NFL. Chiefs are 7th highest in the NFL in, in, in play type. So the Chiefs are throwing the ball a lot, yep. and they're not very efficient doing it right now. Yep. While Houston on the other side is middle of the pack in regards to they're pretty balanced offensively. But when they throw the ball... Holy bleep, it's going to be a deep pass. Yeah. Like, they're explosive. And that's been the biggest difference this year is, again, I'm not saying Stroud over Mahomes. I'm saying when it comes to having good wide receivers and the totality of everything here, it's the fact that Texans get big plays with a lot of the same, again, draft capital, investment at wide receiver, while the Chiefs, they get to first and 15, quick punt. Get Tommy Townsend out there. We're going back to 2012. I just can't believe you'd uh, you'd fire Andy Reid for D'Amico Ryan's, but I mean, I get it. It's a brave thing for you to say. <sighs> Do people think that now? I don't think so. Okay, I didn't say that. I don't think that. Neutral site right now. What's the line? We will take Chiefs a Texas. quick. What's, break? The, what's the line right now? Neutral site. Set the line for me. Uh, Chiefs minus four. I was gonna say four and a half. We'll take a quick break, come back, touch on some other NFL news. Briscoe right here on The Home Stretch. So ready for Christmas, and I hope underneath the Christmas tree is the Buccaneers releasing Mike Evans. <laughs> like, as a favor. As a favor. He'd really appreciate that, I, I I wouldn't be mad. I mean, I'd just say, hey, oh, Chris Godwin? You sure? Buccaneers? All right. Oh, I would even take an Adam Thielen at this point, which seems crazy. I was actually thinking about the Panthers when we were doing the, you know, like, thought experiment of where would the Chiefs receiving uh, group sit in the NFL, and then I think Carolina might be 32 out of 32. I think so. Uh, but Adam Thielen might be the best wide receiver on the Kansas Lina Pan Chiefs. Ah. You know? Jonathan Mingo might be third. Yeah, it might be It might be <laughs> Thielen, Rice, Mingo, Where's Tony, Ter- or Terrence something. Marshall. And, is he, uh, is that, Terrence, sorry. Terrence Marshall. No, I was looking Marshall. at his, I was looking at his draft page earlier today, actually, because I was looking at what the Chiefs could have done in some <laughs> draft slots instead. Yeah, I don't, that one, 134 yards. It'd be a competition of ineptitude, basically. It's a, it already is. Yeah. How are you doing vibes-wise? You okay? I, honestly, man. You had a real serious kind of Things are start. good. I came in pretty hot, and, and now I want to pump the brakes and just have some fun with you, Briscoe. I don't... That even that felt a little forced. A little forced, so. yeah. I think it's because Nick Bolton's probably gonna be back and it at least calms my nerves defensively. I'm not worried about the defense at all. I, I'm I'm it's fine, man. We're it's all vibes. What was that, Dylan? You you're about to really get in there and, and let someone no, have something. Get I was here, gonna Dylan. say that I'm sure Josh echoes your gladness of and, and feeling of security that hey. Nick Bolton's back. Listen, listen, you know what? You know we're gonna find some common ground here, the three of us, all right? Here's what I'm gonna say I'm gonna say is I'm very brave. I do believe that Nick Bolton is better than Jack Cochran. Stunning. And that's something that we've all been debating for quite a while now. I agree. I will say that I will say that amongst <sighs> Chiefs linebackers who practiced in some capacity today, Nick Bolton is definitely one of the best two. Probably the best. No, that's that's unfair. Nick Bolton is the best Chiefs linebacker who practiced today. I do believe that. Was it just him 
Willie Gay and Jack. And Chanel would have been out there, yeah. So you're saying no Drew? Well, he didn't practice today. I know. I, I that's that's what I. He's was, in the concussion protocol. Yeah, yeah I understand. He should, that. Not, he should not be practicing while he's in the concussion protocol. No, have you ever been concussed? Yes. I think I was one time playing basketball, and the reason why I think I was was because I remember the game, and I, I played my whole life AAU and stuff, and I remember I hit my head, and then I like couldn't figure out how to walk anymore, but I, <laughs> I but it was like I was like still playing for some reason, and I remember I got a layup. I like, kind of blacked out. All I remember was me, like, when I mean butchered it. Yeah. Like, I, so you miss layups. Yeah, that happens. Like, that happens. Sure. But I remember being like, what is my body doing? And in that moment, I still thought of, like, this doesn't feel right. Yeah. I uh, I I did play quite a lot of football for, for a good chunk of time. Was it homeschool? So it was um, you versus, like, your parents? Or well, it was me versus go? the wall, which is why uh, all of the concussions. Yeah. Uh, the one that I remember the best, and I, I don't, I don't know. I've answered yes very confidently there because I'm pretty confident. But the one that I remember um, was I was the long snapper and sort of. A, That's why you and Kindle are such good friends. That's why we're so tight. Uh, oh, I mean, he said something very funny about you that you can hear on Friday on the Zone if you'd like to hear it. Uh, clip, or I can play it for you later. But I would love to hear um, this. I asked how, how Friday went. He had a funny bit. So, oh, um, good. I can't wait for me to get ripped. Well, yeah, actually, I'll tell Dylan in the break. We can pull it up or whatever. But um, I was the long snapper and then just sort of like back up at every offensive line spot. By the end of the year, my senior year, we had 13 players, so it was not exactly a fight for playing time. Mm-hmm. Um, but the – and I played defense. But the center got hurt. What spot defensively? I'll get to it. Ah. It, it Necessity. I played necessity. I played some linebacker. I played. I loved a little defensive end. Um, mostly some some sort of. Uh, mostly probably the Joker position. Mostly you were- probably <laughs> some weak side linebacker for being. No, I would have been strong linebacker because I was not covering anybody. Um, <laughs> but a lot of defensive line, whatever. I lived my life in the trenches. So, but later, by later high school, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed defensive end the most. I think. But so I went in. Uh, the center got hurt, and so I went in, and it was my. We were playing a team who was much bigger, and much faster, and much better than us at every feasible level. Mm. It was a bleep show. But I went in for the center, and on my first play, I snapped the ball, and the three hundred pound nose tackle telescoped my spine. Just, like I, the, the 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 sensation I can almost still feel in my neck mm. is just before I c- I could not get my my head up quick enough for. Before this guy had just taken the crown of my helmet and, as far as I can remember, shoved it all the way to my tailbone. I don't know what happened in the meantime, but my neck was my neck was in a very bad spot, and I believe I was concussed from that point. Did you stay um, in the game? I left the game then, and the previously injured center came back out, and I uh, was just trying to kind of unbleep that whole situation. Mm. And then I did go back in on defense, oh, so nice. that yeah. was the balance. Like I could not move my, I could not. I told the coach. I cannot use my neck right now, but I think I can rush the passer. So that's what I did. Mm. You just wanted the sacks, and you're like, I'm tired of blocking people. So that I, was I also yeah. definitely in my DNA. Yeah, yeah. That, I, that's totally me. Like, if someone was like, so if I ever played football, yeah, that's what people say you should play deep at the back. I can jump high. I'm relatively quick. Yeah, you don't want like, good no, reactions, and life. I have decent hands. Sure, I, I'm like, I'm not wide receivers. I'm not taking a hit. Yeah, like I know myself. Yeah, I, like I am uh, Ted Ginn. Yeah, like remember yeah, Ted Ginn? Absolutely, like, like, absolutely. Like, like, I ain't taking a hit, but like, I, if you want me to, get, to give me the ball, 
I'm, I'm, I'm cool with it. No one ever, you can check this on pro, pro Football Reference, no one ever actually tackled Ted Ginn. Every single reception of his entire career, he, he stepped out of bounds. Wow, yeah, it's true, actually. Yeah, Wild. never tackled, never brought to the ground. Wild. Never had a grass stain on his uniform. Yeah, we were very similar size, too, me and Ted Ginn. I think so, you probably are. Yeah, surprisingly, though, I didn't run a 4-2. I'm like a 4-9, uh, probably, type of fella, realistically. I think about, this. it's the tough thing about football. I I wonder I want I don't know how common this is. It feels I feel like Dylan might have like a little interest in this, but um, I frequently have thought like, man, I if there was a way to play like rec league full tackle football, I would mm. want to do that very badly. Yeah, the issue is you get to this age, you're not practicing. You right. know how many injuries, uh, non-contact injuries. You know how yeah, many but, hammies well, they, would get pulled. But they, we play, people play flag football, and that's what have the non-contact stuff. So what I what I just want to do is I just want I just want adult football for people who don't want to practice three times a week and can just kind of play football kind of poorly. I just want to I just want to try to I want to try to I want to try to get around the. Uh, a 32-year-old, uh, just, you know, and, fellow media employee playing left tackle. And I well, want to be Mark... Carolina Panthers have already filled their 53, man. <laughs> so that <laughs> option is unavailable. But I do like your idea. Like, I would totally be Marcus Peters in the in this league. Sure. I am not... Ta- the, the effort he gave on Sky Moore, that's what I'm giving if I'm not going to have an interception. It's either pick but, six but or then go, it's... But you can play flag football. That, your Flag football is for you. I miss a little, just at least a little bit of hand fighting, you know? No, like, I want some hand fighting. You're not hand fighting in, in flag football. I, I don't know. I don't know how the, maybe, maybe I just want, want flag contact. football. I mean, maybe I want flag football with, Only with a you, full five-man offensive line. No, maybe that's just it. Like, I want, I want flag football with a full offensive line and, like, tight ends and stuff. I want 11-on-11 11 11 flag football. Because, right, I, I mean, I don't really, like, listen, the, the, the pop of the shoulder pads is a special feeling. It, it, that's, it, that is fun. But I could get away with it just being like, look, if 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 you pancake me or if I truck through you, collateral damage. Part of the part of the gig here. We we could do Oklahoma drills in the hallway, which I tried with Dylan one time. What? It was it wasn't yeah. He's, he's video? Not, no no. Uh, if there is we have security cameras, I. I I don't even know what happened. I went up to him and was like jokingly pretending to like block him or something like that or box him out. You know, I in the hallway yeah. I do a lot of basketball moves. You know, yeah. I'm trying to get. I yes. yell and one all the time. I think and about one. doing Oklahoma drills in this hallway once a week. So we kind of did, and uh, yeah, got my ass kicked. Dylan is a strong yeah. man. I would be way more excited to do an Oklahoma drill against you than Dylan. Yeah. Oh, no, no. no. I, I think if there's a list of people to do Oklahoma drills against, I'd probably be at the top of like everyone's. Like, I'll choose him to go against. Did, oh, I disagree. I don't think you're. I don't think you're the consensus unanimous one. One here. Yeah, I agree. I think Dylan. I think Dylan is close to the bottom of the list. Well, that's my point. No one wants to go against Dylan. I think Dylan. I don't. I don't. I hope this doesn't sound too self confident, but I think we would hurt each other. No, I agree. No, we would. It would I be... think there would be a collision and two two bad bruises and maybe two broken bones. It would be like, oh, man, I'm trying to think of the, you know, it's going to be some 70s reference. Yeah, like a Jack Lambert yes. sort of. Yeah. Larry Zonka <laughs> yes. meeting each other in the yes. hall. There you go. Perfect. Yes. Briscoe helping me out. I think, I think we would both, I think we would both be physically very, very hurt. But emotionally, relatively proud of ourselves. Like I think we would both acquit ourselves pretty well. Certainly, if you just expand it to just your average people, then just get a hundred random Kansas Cityans. I think I'm in the. I, I think I'll finish top third. 
That's what I believe about myself. Briscoe's you know, saying you know that we're not we, going to do. We would be the two people at practice that everyone is ready to see. Yep. Do yeah. the Oklahoma drill. Yeah. Like we all had when we were kids. There's two kids you knew. Yeah. That was going to be the pay per view five round yep. title fight. The, the I was not that guy. Was I was never that guy. I was not that guy but until in, in, maybe my senior year on the team that had 13 players. I might have been getting close. In I this was station, the kid you were trying you two to go are. against. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Kay's a big dude. Well, are you? Here's the thing: Are we starting like laying on your back, like oh, agility off the top and everything? Because I, again, I think I think Dylan ends up being the favorite because he's in, in a, a, he's agility. agile too. Yes. Like yes. me, I'm getting up quick. Yeah, but there's not a lot of force behind. You're getting us. up quick, but not quick enough for me not to grab your your hip and and get a little yeah. body weight foul. Yeah, you're, I, you're, you're <laughs> the drop hit. You're doing the uh, well, hip the, drop. The, the hip drop tackle. The hip <laughs> drop. You're getting a high ankle sprain for sure. I almost. Uh, Generated a cut there, and I caught myself before <sighs> doing it. I'll tell you in the break where I was going to go, but ah. I think I would be quick to the point of attack. Ah, was where I was going. If so you figure that out. Do 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 you think Jake's back? That's he. You got to you got to account for Jake. Now. Oh, dude, we're done. Yeah, no, Jake is definitely up at the very top. Do you, do you do you think? Now, hear me out. Now, every single snap as a Jets quarterback is like an Oklahoma drill, basically, but you. Like, but there's five dudes coming at you instead of one. I think being a Jets quarterback is less like an Oklahoma drill and more like a fire drill. You just have to run for your life. I love how Zach Wilson was like, nah, dude. This is so good. I'm I love, out. I love this story. And then all of a sudden they're like, no, come on. Like, we need you. Sorry. Who would have thought the dude, Tim Boyle and Trevor Simon, who's been in the NFL, like, Robert Sala just came out after that debacle the past yes. couple of weeks and said, Zach gives us the best chance to win. It's the best sport in the world. I love this sport. How do you think he said that quote? Like, how do you how, and and what? Oh, and like dejected. Wh- like dejected. Here, here's the quote: "Quote Zach gives us the best chance to win." End quote. You know, Zach gives us the best chance to win. It's. I think it's more just bleep. Zach, Zach gives us the best chance. What'd you say, Coach? Coach, what'd you say? Zach, I'm Zach Wilson. Since, uh, Zach, what, what'd you say, Coach? Zach gives us the best chance to win. Since um, since Tom Brady has not yet returned our calls, and Aaron <laughs> Rodgers is still going to fake doctors. And Joe um, Flacco, we decided, was uh, done. Aaron actually told us we weren't allowed to sign a backup other than Tim Boyle and uh, what's the big tall guy, Trevor, whatever. And so, with that being said, we think I think that gives us the best chance to win. Okay. You know, it's bad when the other backup quarterbacks are just former Broncos misfits. It's Trevor Simeon and now Brett Rippon. Damn, I did not know Brett Rippon was there at all. Dude, how did great. they cut Tim Boyle? Where's Brett Rippon for? Is he on the yeah, he, he spot? got cut. Tim, Tim, Tim Boyle got cut. Tim Boyle got cut. I'm pretty sure. I didn't see that. Uh, Boyle was removed from the equation when he was abruptly released by the team after two poor starts. I don't know how abrupt and how abrupt that was because. Uh, well, I mean, he was the starter. <laughs> you know, anytime a anytime an NFL team. Cuts their starting quarterback not due to injury or whatever. That's noteworthy. Yeah. So, huh? This okay. means I have a uh, in my dynasty league. I have at least a starting quarterback. You got Zach Wilson back. Yeah. Um, Has he got new positive points most of the time this year? Or? But well, by positive, like two to three. Yeah, more than more than the negative numbers. More than the negative. More than zero. But yeah, less than a lot. Sorry I've been, to sorry to cut off this fantasy football conversation real quick. Thank you but for I cutting this off. Find the Robert Sala audio. Okay, hold on, hold on. Yes, hold on. So I I have put, not heard it. Hold on. Yeah, me neither. Let's do let's do this one more time. Have you heard it, Dylan? I have, and okay, I will not okay. give it away. Let's do one 
live read here. Mm. Let's each do our best impression of what it sounds like when he says this, and we'll see, and then Dylan, you can judge who is the closest. You have one. You have it. Oh, yeah. Do go ahead. So I'm picturing Zach Wilson staring just, him just, down. Just say it. No, no, no. Saying, no just, we're gonna. We're just gonna say it. Zach gives us the best chance to win. Okay. You know, Zach gives us the best chance to win. Let's okay, so Briscoe. Let's is hear. More let's, hear let's hear. Let's hear. Okay, let's hear. Let's hear. Yeah, I'm definitely. I'm definitely. I'm feigning excitement. Stu is feigning being held at gunpoint. Zach gives us our best chance to win. Oh! <laughs> oh! Nails. One more time. Zach gives us our best chance to win. Oh, that is a exhaled, guy. The, Zach gives us our best chance to win. Yeah, on second oh. review, it is Stu, I think. It's Stu. It's, it's pretty close. It's Stu. You can actually hear at the end. If can, I could pause his face. Actually, I'm going to send you guys a group little screenshot here of his face. It, really can, great for radio. Right I can now. I can see it in my mind's eye. Um, play it one more time, and then at the end, you can actually hear you can actually hear a little uh, a little gnome come up and just <laughs> punch him in the stomach. You can hear it. Go ahead. That gives us our best chance to win. Um, right there. <sighs> you remember? It's not a gnome punch. It was actually Quinn and Williams. It, it's, it's the defense saying <laughs> that's pretty funny. Seriously, it's just a very little exhale. So I was thinking like Brownie the Elf, you know, ah, we're, we're yeah. connecting all the brown oh, stuff and again. Sa- Sauce Gardner, smaller than Quinn and Williams. Yeah, that's, there we go. I guess that's true. But uh, that gives us the best chance to win. That gives us our best chance to win. Um. <sighs> um. Um, what else can I lie about? Uh, the moon landing wasn't real. I'm still believing that the whole reason why Zach said no was like not until you go up there and you say Zach gives oh. us the best chance to win. Here's an unpopular take that I think there's a chance both of you disagree with, which happens rarely here when I just throw some red meat out and everyone gets to yell at me. But honest to God, if you don't understand where Zach Wilson's coming from, I don't. I I completely under. It, Think about it from a scene from The Office if you need to, but imagine Robert Sala going up to Zach or Nathaniel Hackett mm. going to Zach Wilson and saying, "Hey man, uh, we're gonna have you start again this week." If you're Zach Wilson and you go, "I'm so- I'm sorry, you're gonna what?" I was inactive these last couple of weeks, and look, I had my shot. I get it, but is it is it gonna be good for Zach Wilson's reputation to go lose three or four more games to round out this year? Like he just needs to get out of New York and find a quarterback coach who believes in. See if you can convince David Tepper that you've got some gas in the tank and let let him take that baggage from you. Uh, to your uh, office reference there and to show the viewer, listeners what the face – it was the gym face. He was doing the gym face <laughs> yeah. as, soon as, he, as soon as he finished that quote. Okay, before we go to break, favorite office character. Um, I used to have Creed. a pretty strong – you say? Creed. Don't take mine. I, think, I, I knew you were going to say Creed. You knew dude. Creed is my favorite. I have a – Group text with some friends that I just send him a Creed reference like once a week. I love Creed. Not the is band he, necessarily. You hire? Or is that a different band? I've, I've that's done this that's the band. Yeah, yeah, we, we're that's done. Yeah. Back. Yeah. I think uh, I think at this point, I think I'm a Stanley man. Yeah, Stanley's good. Florida Stanley is especially. Florida, yeah, Florida is, Stanley really speaks really to me. Um, I haven't rewatched The Office in a while, but I uh, I also I, I also really like Ryan. Ryan's my favorite, like late, like good later one. stage character. Yeah, good one. Very there's, good one. yeah, there's some, there's something there that I appreciate. But I feel like I have a more it's specific. The, it's the bleached hair. I'll think about that. Definitely helped. Yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. Uh, we'll take a break. Come back more Briscoe on the home stretch.
about you. Thank you very much. Uh, Briscoe. Stu. Uh, let's go. Christmas. How about that? You had a gambling cup for me. No, please don't. That's bad, man. I, 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 I'm done. I cannot sing Elvis. Well, that was great. I enjoyed that. So, I, I'm hey, intrigued Trilling, now. Thank you. thank you very much. Thank you. For that Elvis impression. What was your question? Kendall Gammon. You said yes. he had some uh, words. So, you filled in for us Friday uh, after Thanksgiving on The Zone. And Friday's usual when we have our friend and uh, long snapper extraordinaire Kendall Gammon on The Zone. And so uh, I was talking to him on Friday because Jason had lost his voice this most recent Friday. Ah, uh-huh. And uh, I, I noted at the beginning, like, oh, you talked to Sterling last week. Uh, so uh, so how did Sterling treat you? You actually talked to Sterling last week. Did he treat I you did. okay? He, tra- he treated me okay, no doubt about it. He's nice to I some would, people. I mean, I would say uh, on a scale of 110, it was a strong three to three and a half. So, hey, I've had worse. Wow. Bummer. <laughs> <laughs> Now, now, I listen, assume Briscoe there is two, used to... There are two follow-ups to that that I would like to go ahead and make you aware of. One is that afterwards I did say that, listen, Sterling has been spending his entire life just trying to be a solid three to three and a half. So it there's no shame in that. a strong three to three and a half, so... Briscoe's used to hearing that one. And then I, uh, I would say that after that, he clarified that he believed that his performance... On that Friday was a three to three and a half, mm. but it doesn't sound that way at all in the clip. So I don't know if he was trying to, you know, not hurt your feelings or, uh, um, or if it was just a little hurt. lost in translation there. But uh, Sterling wow. Holmes, a solid three to three and a half. Uh, the eleventh best show, I think, here in uh, Union Broadcasting potentially. Home stretch or zone or no, the home stretch. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Eleventh okay, yeah. is just me. 11th best host, maybe. Uh, I don't know if there's 11 of us. Yeah, at this point, uh, we probably have 11 shows though. Yeah, maybe the two stations and everything. Yeah. Oh, three stations. We get the Wichita. Wow, oh, we get the Wichita. Shoot. Oh, was, Louisville. Oh boy, bad news. Too. That was my second time interviewing him too. That's that's a that's a big buzzkill. You better believe I'm bringing that up to him. Sounds like it was more of a little buzzkill. First thing I say to him. So yeah, solid three three and a half, huh? He is such a nice person that he will be horrified by that, but I hope he will also find that as hilarious as I did. I hope this show was better than a three and a half. I'd say a solid four, four and a half, Stu. 